Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And if you have been listening over the past month or so, you will know that we are currently on the road to Vegan Business Tribe Live at the London Olympia, sponsored by Vegan Accountants. In fact, as I am recording this right now, we're coming to the end of that road because we are just one week away from the event. Can you believe that? And Lisa and I, we could not be more excited because this is a little bit of a gamble for us too, because there are no business conferences specifically for vegan businesses. There are a lot of plant-based events aimed mainly at non-vegan businesses who operate in the vegan and plant-based marketplaces. But this, it will be the first business conference that is for businesses that are vegan owned and run. So we've put together a full weekend of speakers and workshops to help you build a successful business. And that's on Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th of November 2022 at the London Olympia. We've got over 20 speakers and panellists and we're even closing the event with a live drop-in business clinic. So if you've got a problem in your vegan business or you've just got an idea for a business and you want to come and talk to myself and Lisa in person about it, then this is your chance. And we're also going to be joined in this drop-in business clinic session by our main event sponsor, Keith Lesser from Vegan Accountants, who is just a wealth of business knowledge too. And we must not forget that this event is taking part within VegFest UK, which is the UK's biggest and best vegan consumer show. And they're expecting 10,000 people over the weekend. So all you have to do to join us is buy a ticket for VegFest UK and then full access to the Vegan Business Tribe Live area and stage that is included within your VegFest ticket. So just to repeat those dates again, it's the 12th and 13th of November at the London Olympia. And it is going to be such a great event. I really want to see as many of you there as possible. I genuinely want you camped out our stage for the entire event because you are going to learn so much. So to see the full agenda of speakers, which includes everyone from the Vegan Society to the founders of some of the most exciting vegan brands right now, 
just go to the Vegan Business Tribe website, click on the Tribe Live 2022 tab, and you'll also find the link to buy tickets there too. Now, the reason I'm telling you all this and the reason I'm getting so excited is because over this last month or so, I've been joined on this podcast by some of the people who are going to be speaking at the event, just to give you a preview of what you can look forward to. And today is no different because I am joined by Matali Depakatha from The Vegan Publisher. Now, Matali is hosting a panel discussion on Sunday at midday about how to write and publish your own vegan book. And she's going to be joined by two superstar vegan authors, and they are Ray Starr and London Todd Sinclair. But not only is she going to be hosting this panel, Matali, she's one of our support sponsors for the event too. And she's got a stand in our area, meaning that she's going to be around to chat for the entire weekend. So, as our very last podcast before Vegan Business Tribe Live at VegFest UK, I asked Matali to record this session with me to talk about becoming a published vegan author. Now, Matali's panel at the event, she's going to be hearing from both fiction and non-fiction authors, but... For this session, I wanted to specifically talk about writing a book as a marketing tool for your business. Because it has to be said, if you've written a book on your area of expertise, then that gives you a lot of authority. But this isn't just about giving you an ego boost. If you are a published author, then that gives you a lot of visibility too. So take a listen while I catch up with Matali, because she's going to explain not just how you can become a published author, but also how to leverage that to get speaking gigs and maybe even to attract a dream investor to your business. And if you are a Vegan Business Tribe member, you can also see the full video version that we recorded of this session in our Masterclasses section of the Vegan Business Academy on the website and that's over at veganbusinessdrive.com I am here today with Matali Depakatha who is the vegan publisher so Matali in just a few words can you tell me what does the vegan publisher do how do you actually help people well I help vegan and plant-based business owners brand owners or experts get more visibility and authority for what they do by becoming a published author. Um, The goal of the vegan publisher is to kind of marry the best of two worlds. Um, On the one hand, I'm a massive fan of self-publishing. I'm an egalitarian kind of person. I'm a big believer in opportunities for all. And let's be honest, you know, if you look at the publishing world, even now in 2022, seems to be dominated by one particular gender and one particular colour. Um, so because if those publishing houses are owned by those people, then naturally they're going to want to publish people just like them. It's like an unconscious bias. So self-publishing is wonderful. If you've got an opinion, if you've got a message and you want to publish it, you can do it. Downside of self-publishing, every idiot thinks that they can publish a book. And I've seen some horrific books. So I've just thought, where's the quality control? Like, How was this even 
allowed to be published, you know? So the whole point of the vegan publisher is to marry the two worlds. It's self-publishing. So it's your book. No one else owns it. You're not beholden to a publishing company. But at the same time, you're, you've got someone who's going to be able to tell you exactly what a traditional publishing house will expect of their book. So the quality is right up there. Brilliant. Now, we're going to get into all of that in a moment. But I just want to start by saying that you are a well-known face amongst Vegan Business Tribe. Everybody knows Matali. But when you first joined us as a member, your company was actually called Let's Tell Your Story Publishing. But you rebranded that this year to be the vegan publisher. So can I ask you just a little bit about that? Because... I think a lot of our members want to go all out vegan with their business, but they don't do it because they've got non-vegan clients and don't want to put them off. So what kind of impact did it have when you veganized your business? Well, for me, I can't speak for every different business out there because every business is different. But for me, it's been the best thing ever. (laughs) It really, really has. I think have I probably put some people off? I assume I have. I assume there are people who, you know, there are people sadly out there that you just being vegan, you just breathing as a vegan is enough to annoy them. Never mind saying anything. Just you breathing as a vegan is enough to annoy them. Um, So I'm sure I have put people off. But by niching down and really just, you know, nailing my colors to the mask saying this is what I'm about, it's actually brought me a lot more clients than when I was Let's Tell Your Story publishing. I mean, the best thing I ever did was become the vegan publisher. Um, people even like shouted at me. It's like, no, you're the vegan publisher. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm expecting someone to say it in a crowd at some stage, you know. So I'm definitely, from branding point of view, it's been fantastic. And I think we have got to the point now where veganism doesn't have the same negative connotations as it used to do. Uh, I think a lot of people view veganism as shorthand for somebody who is just ethical and environmentally conscious. And everybody wants a supplier who is ethical and environmentally conscious. So I don't think that is the big big barrier that it used to be. But one thing I do want to ask, though, Matali, is many of us who do have a vegan business, we see it as our form of activism. I mean, that's why Lisa and I created Vegan Business Tribe. We wanted to take the skill that we already had and just use those skills to help the vegan sector. So I've got to ask you, why books? Why did you choose that as your way of moving the vegan scene forward? Um, Well, it's actually evidence-based. It wasn't just one day I woke up and thought, "Mm, I'll just help people with books instead of sales pages or emails or website content. It was was the summer of 2020. You know, it's a pandemic, if you remember. We're all cooped up, getting very bored with myself. Um, And I really wanted to change my career and do something different. And I decided to spend some time reaching out to all of my previous clients. Uh, Some of them are book clients. I've written, I've ghostwritten seven business books. Um, But some of my clients weren't. Some of my clients were, you know, people that written sales pages for, landing copy for, uh, adverts uh, for. And I just wanted to go back and just touch base with them and just see how things are going and, and what, what they're doing with their business. And it kept coming back to me, the people who had made the biggest difference with my content were the people I'd written a book for. You know, when I'd written a sales page, they done really well with that sales page and they maybe got a ton of sales when they launched a new product or a service. And then now it's gathering dust somewhere. Whereas a book, I mean, the the oldest book I I wrote, the first one that I wrote was back in 2014. So that is now seven years, eight years old. It's eight years old now. And that is still being leveraged. 
by the author. He's still using it to get speaking gigs, to close clients, to get contracts. He's still using it. I mean, what kind of content, apart from books, really, has that longevity? So that's when I realized this is what I want to help people with because they can use it again and again for a lifetime if they want to. Yeah. And I think you're 100% right that there is so much noise out there. And whenever you can create something in terms of content, which is a bit of a barrier to entry, so it's not something that everybody can can just go out there and create. That is what, what sets yourself aside a little bit. But let's get into this. So tell me, I'm a vegan business owner, or maybe I'm a vegan professional. Why should I write a book? Well, I think you've answered your own question there, really. <laughs> the barrier to entry, you know, and... Um... I always say that imagine if somebody, you know, burst into a spontaneous round of applause if you told them you had a LinkedIn profile or you had a, a website or a business card or a leaflet. It's just so like, OK, great. Whereas how many people are authors? It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of group you take. You get a group of, say, 200 accountants. You pretty much can bet your bottom pound. They all have websites. Most of them will probably be using LinkedIn because they're professionals. You can expect certain things that they'll just have. How many of those 200 accountants will be published authors? You know, you'd be lucky if you find two or three, really. That credibility of being a published author, that brings a lot of authority. And I think also it gives some people sometimes a way into understanding what you do and how you work. I've known consultants, for example, who um, instead of giving a business card will give their book. That's pretty much why I don't have a business card. <laughs> I mean, my book is my business card, you know, whether I'm speaking to investors, whether I'm speaking to potential clients, um, affiliates. I mean, I send them a copy of my book and they're always. And the other thing is they always send me a message, you know, thanking me so much because it's like a gift. And again, that difference. Imagine if I sent them some bump in the post or, you know, you give somebody a business card. They don't thank you for it. They go, oh, OK, great. but you send someone a book and they think oh wow thank you so much you've actually took the time to send me a physical copy of your book yeah it makes you stand out it's one of the the easiest ways for you to stand out writing a book it does take time it's it is a big commitment and I think we'll get on to how much of a commitment in a moment perhaps but what kind of return on investment am I going to get on that commitment so let's be blunt here is writing a book going to make me money the book itself, probably not. It may do. <laughs> I mean, I've, I'm now in touch with, you know, many great vegan fiction authors now, and they're doing really well. But they see their book, their fiction book, is their business. They treat it as seriously as their business. And that's why they're doing so well. But what I do is I'm helping people write books to do with either what they're currently doing or what they're looking to get into. So it's intrinsically tied into what they're already doing, their existing business or their existing expertise. From that point of view, yes, you can make you can make a ton of money. I think within the, the obviously I've had two editions of my book come out. The first edition came out in March of 2021. And within two months, I'd secured around about £30,000 worth of new clients. From book sales, however, I think I made about $400. Now, I know I live in Gateshead. It's one of the cheapest parts of the UK. But even I can't live on $400 in seven, eight weeks, you know. So if, in fact, if you look at the lifetime of my book, 
I've made, I don't even check because it just goes to charity, but um, I think I've made about $7,000. That's over nearly two years and two editions of my book. So from book sales, no. <laughs> but when you're leveraging the book to get you clients, to get, I've got a couple of investors who are not interested and they found me through the book. If you think about the income that you can get from that, oh, hell yes, you can make a lot of money from books. So what we're talking about here really is creating a book as a marketing tool or something to help raise your profile. And, and I know in the past, one thing that I've seen you do very well is get onto podcasts. And, and the reason that people ask you to come onto podcasts is because you are a published author. It's a, it's basically, you know, the, the opposite of a vicious circle. You, you create a virtuous circle for yourself. But as long as you, you know, put the shyness on a doorstep somewhere and just say, I'm going to forget about being shy and just go out there, have confidence in yourself and start asking people and leading with your book, which is what I did. I just started to contact podcast hosts and just say, hey, I'm the author of such and such book. I'd love to come to your show because your show is all about A, B and C and this is how we resonate. And then again, my business card is my book, sending them a copy of my book. That starts the virtuous cycle. Now, I don't even do it. People come to me. I've got to a stage now because success begets success. So now people come to me and say, hey, I've heard that you're an author of such and such book. Can you be on my show? Same with speaking engagements. You know, no one was sat there beating down my door, you know. Hey, please talk on my stage. That's not how it works. I was contacting them and saying, hey, I'm an author and I've got this best-selling book and this is what I talk about and I think there's some synergy can I speak on your stage? Yes, you can. And then that success begets me more success. I've got to ask, have you seen any notable or maybe surprising outcomes that you're not expecting from somebody becoming a published author? Oh, gosh, yes. I always say that a book will open doors that you want to be open, but it will also open doors that you literally didn't know they existed. They were invisible doors. So uh, one of my authors, Amanda, she wrote a book designed to help women get pay parity in this country. She's a financial planner. The whole point of her book was she's passionate about helping women and she wants to she wanted to become a keynote speaker uh, and go around the country and talk about this issue. She's recently, I think about six months ago, she was asked to come on board as an associate director for this nonprofit well, she's been paid very well, by the way, to go around and deliver training to all these women in these networking groups. So, yeah, I mean, writing a book is really exciting because it will do all the things that you want it to do. So if you want to attract investors or if you want to uh, attract more clients, it will do those things. But you don't know whose lap your book is going to fall into. That's the magical thing about it. People recommend books and they swap books and that just doesn't happen with online content it just doesn't happen yeah so we know that being a published author it's going to give you a lot of credibilities it's going to raise your visibility and it's going to give you just as you said i love that phrase those opportunities that you don't even know are out there at the moment but if somebody's listening to this and they're saying yeah i'd love all that where the heck do you actually start you know because it might be that you've got this this desire to become an author and to write a book, but you've no idea what you're actually going to write about. So how do you actually start this whole process? 
Well, I would say if you're a service-based entrepreneur, you've got it made. It's simple. So I only help people write nonfiction books and specifically books that market their business or brand or their expertise. So if you're a service-based business owner or brand owner, then you're already doing something. You, there, there's, there'll be a lot of talking. For example, if you're a designer, you, there must be a whole process that you go through when you take on a new client regarding how you understand what they're looking for in their brand, how they want to show up in the world, what their mission is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a life coach, again, what process do you go through when you take on a new client? Guess what your book is going to be? It's going to be that because when someone opens these types of books, they've got a problem and your book is a solution to that problem. So if you're a service-based entrepreneur, you're literally what you're doing is you're just going through how you take on a client at the moment and how you get them through the process until they're happy at the end and they've got what they wanted. Now, if you're a product-based entrepreneur, then it becomes a little bit trickier. It's a product. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a wonderful example. Bobby Giudicelli, who wrote a book, um, Freedom from a Toxic Relationship with Food. She has a clean, whole food, plant-based product line. And it's all, it's breakfast-based. And it's all about giving vegans a very healthy, clean option for food on the go. Because, you know, there's a lot of vegan options now. A lot of it is junk, though, unfortunately. So she wanted to create a, a completely clean line of foods for vegans that they can just throw into a bag and take wherever they want with them. How does she write about that? Who really wants to know about ingredients and who wants to know? You know, no one's going to really be all that interested in the production process of her foods. But instead, what we did was you looked at her life and said, what well, people don't just suddenly decide one day to create a product. Something's happened here. And that opened up this entire 40 plus year battle with bulimia and anorexia. And the only way she was able to battle those demons and get rid of those demons is by becoming whole food plant-based. She specifically says the only thing that stopped her counting calories was going whole food plant-based because she realized she didn't need to, she ate what she ate and she was never going to overeat calories if she was whole food plant-based. So I was like, right, that's your story. We're going to tell your story about your freedom from this horrible relationship that you've had with food and how you can help other women and men, how they can rid themselves of these horrible diseases. So it's really, it's all about your mission. Why are you doing what you do? Even as a product-based entrepreneur, you didn't just come down in the last shower and decide that this is what I'm going to do. There was a whole thing that you went through, a whole process, a whole story let your audience into that story, humanize yourself. So people go, oh, that's why they do what they do. That's so cool. And you get more buy-in in your product or whatever it is that you're doing. When we talk about marketing products, especially, what we always say is if you just go out there and sell your product, you're then in competition with every other company that makes that product. So at some point, you want to take that conversation away from the product. So yes, you've got this thing you sell, but people buy from people they like, know, and trust. So, you know, telling your own story. We, we, we've met so many amazing Vegan Business Tribe members who have got such an inspiring story of why they are doing what they're doing, but they don't talk about it. They don't shout about it. And as soon as they tell somebody that story, then the person they're talking to, they become a customer for life. Exactly. And 
and they don't do it. It, it drives me crazy sometimes, you know, because I, I know their story because obviously I've now been in vegan business drive for, gosh, it must be 18 months or getting close to 18 months. So I've got to know a lot of the members. And then, you know, when I've had one-to-ones on them, I'll know, and then I'll go on their website, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. I'm just thinking, where's your story? <laughs> so, so that is a brilliant place to start a book. I mean, can I ask though, because sometimes, and maybe it's just the bubble that you and I operate in, but sometimes it does seem like everybody's got a book or everybody's got something on their website. Does that devalue being an author now, the fact that those barriers to entry have been lowered a little? Oh, that's that's a great question. I love that. Um no, <laughs> but I will expand. I want to leave it. And that's a great answer. We can leave <laughs> there it we there. Go. Let's move on. No, <laughs> it doesn't. Go and write a book. There you go. <laughs> no, um, the reason I'll give you two reasons why. Um, first of all, sometimes when it's uh, you've heard of yellow car, the yellow car thing, where if you just say yellow car to somebody, suddenly you start noticing yellow cars everywhere. Whereas before, like you don't get many yellow cars, but now you're thinking of yellow cars. I'm just realized anyone who listens to this is now going to start seeing. <laughs> There's going to be all these people now who are going to start seeing yellow cars because I said yellow car. Sometimes when you're thinking about writing a book, it's like you're aware of it now. So then it starts to feel like everyone is writing a book. But the statistics don't back that up. But roughly over 70 percent, 70, 71 percent of Americans think they should write a book. Around about 15 to 16 percent actually start a book and around about 5 percent finish a book. See, you can see what I mean. This is the yellow car syndrome all over again. It's because you're thinking about writing a book. Now you've got heightened awareness and you start to notice all of these other authors. But there's not actually that many. There's really, really not that many. So that's the first, you know, first point. The second point is, even if it is, so what? <laughs> you know, I always say, so what if there's other authors? Because imagine if you set up a business and then you're about to create a website for your business. And then you found out that your main competitor already has a website. You just got, oh, that's it. I'm done now. There's no point. I might as well just not even bother with the website because my competitor's already got a website. You don't stop. You don't, you don't see a competitor on LinkedIn and think I shouldn't be on LinkedIn or I shouldn't be on Instagram. You don't do that. So first of all, the, the competition isn't there, as I've proven from the statistics. But even if it was, so what? It's still a wonderful way to get your story across, to humanize you, to make people see the person behind the brand or business. Yeah, we've had the same conversation about podcasts with people as well. People saying, oh, I'm not going to launch a podcast because there's so much competition out there. So many people have got podcasts. But what you find is that those people who are listening to those other podcasts, they will listen to your podcast as well. And it's the same with books. If somebody is out there and they want to read a business-based book, they will read lots of those books. It's not like they're only going to read one. You know, the, the people who are reading their books are exactly the same as yours. But just moving that conversation on a little bit, we've said already that writing a book, it is a commitment. And there isn't yet an app that you can just fill some details in and it's going to spit a book out the other end for you, unfortunately. Oh. But how big a commitment is it going to be? Because I think to me, if, if I was writing a book, that would mean booking a couple of months off work, maybe going and sitting in a log cabin somewhere without distractions and internet. But to, to most people, that's not going to be practical. So how much time do you actually need to be able to commit to producing a book? Well, on average, I'm going on what my clients do. So they usually spend around about three months writing a book and then three months for my team of vegan editors, cover designers, et cetera, to 
do their magical thing that they do and turn it into a professionally published book. But when I say three months, it's not three months in a log cabin shut away writing a book. They are actually fitting it around their business. Because I'm helping people who are existing business owners, entrepreneurs, brand owners, or experts in some field, they're usually working a lot of hours in their business or in a job already. So I had to create something that's slotted into their already very, very busy lives. Uh, And that's why I created my program. And I would say you want to put around four to six hours a week into your book. You don't have to do that in one goal. The beauty of the way I teach things is once you've got a mind map of your book and I show you how to mind map your book out, it means you've done all the thinking, which now means that even if you just have half an hour between clients or you just have an hour here or even 15 minutes somewhere, you could be working productively towards your book in a way that if you're just writing in a traditional way, you won't be able to do. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, when they've used my system and they've maybe tried to write a book before, they said, you know, they would have to book a day off a week or at least half a day off the week because they needed to get in the zone of writing a book. But the way I show it, because you do the thinking separately to the writing, when you come to the writing part, you can just pick it up and drop it whenever you have any time to spare. An hour a day, that's just getting up an hour early or, or going to bed an hour early. You know, that, that's the sort of thing you can work into your life. Exactly. Just following up on that point then. So I guess it's actually probably quite important to have people supporting on this. So even if somebody's not doing a program like you do with a vegan publisher, just having almost like a book accountability buddy to make sure that you are putting that time into it. It definitely does. I mean, I've got different levels of programs and um, my lowest level program is a self-paced program. So they're not getting accountability. You know, they will have to structure themselves and go through the program. And then I have higher ticket coaching programs, which actually, you know, they're meeting me every week and I'm going to give them a kick up the bum if they don't get things done because we we agree goals every week before we leave that conversation. So I offer different levels of support depending on people having knowing their personality and understanding what they need but certainly if you like if you can bring somebody else into it I think it's fantastic I I also think just telling somebody anyway Mm. even if you don't arrange like a weekly thing but just telling people it's a bit like trying to give up smoking I remember when I gave up smoking I told the whole world that I was giving up smoking so then they can shame me into not smoking if they saw me light up a cigarette So I think something happens when you actually tell people you're going to write a book because those people will tease you. They will say, oh, yeah, where's the book coming? It's been a year now. No book is happening. And you need that. You kind of need to feel a little bit like, oh, I said I'd do that. I need to do that. So I think that's a great idea, a really, really good idea. And you hinted earlier that the commitment isn't just about actually writing the book. It's what you're going to do after you've written it and brought it out as well. So can I ask the same sort of question of how much time is it going to take to promote a book once you've written it so that people go out and buy it? Because I guess it doesn't do a lot of good just having it sat there on a bookshelf. So are people going to have to be making time to do book tours and signings? Do do, do those kind of things still happen? Yes, those things do still happen. But going back to an earlier question that you asked me, which, you know, I revealed the two different kinds of book industries that you've got. So you've got what I call the traditional book industry, where a lot of fiction authors pretty much always are in that industry. However, if you're writing a book for marketing purposes, then no, not really, because all it's doing is enhancing 
your existing marketing efforts. So you know, for me, getting clients before I had a book, I'd be doing everything that I'm doing now. You know, I'd be doing social media. I'd be getting people onto an email list, giving them free giveaways. I'd be doing all those things anyway. But I now have the credibility and the authority of an author. And I also have this amazing marketing tool that I can actually send to people. And they send me an email thanking me for me marketing to them, essentially, which, again, is something they would never thank you for if you send them to a sales page. Uh, one thing I'd just like to jump back to is something you mentioned earlier, talking about the idea of, of putting on Amazon as a platform. And I think we have to accept that Amazon, regardless of, of what your own views and your own ethics of, about Amazon are, Amazon are probably the world's biggest bookshop but you don't have to put it on those kind of platforms if you are just wanting a very select group of people to be able to have access to your book you could just upload a pdf to your own website as well 100 percent. and there's also there are other platforms out there that you can publish your book from so there's a, a great platform that i use called ingram spark and um, that is a great platform simply because that is where bookstore owners will go to buy books so there's, there's so many ways you don't have to publish on Amazon, especially if you're going to use your book strategically to reach out to people. But uh, the reason I chose Amazon is I just thought I'm going to do that anyway. I'm going to strategically reach out to potential clients, to investors, to podcast hosts, to summit organizers. I'm going to do that anyway. But if that means a few people accidentally just stumble across my book, why not? And I've ended up having three clients this year who never heard a podcast from me, never saw me on anything like this, didn't never didn't even know about me. And they stumbled across my book, read my book and became clients. That's three extra clients that I wouldn't have got. Um, but just to give you an idea, they're not probably the biggest book retailer in the world. They have somewhere between 60 to nearly 80 percent of the world's book market share. So they're not probably, they're literally, you can take every other book retailer online and offline in the entire world, add all of the books together, and it's still dwarfed by the number of books that Amazon sells. So unfortunately, sometimes you have to work with the devil. What can I say? Absolutely, <laughs> it is. The final thing I wanted to ask you about, Matali, is you started off by saying that you actually started off as a ghostwriter yourself, which is where you get somebody else to, to write your book for you um, under your name. Now, obviously, that's going to cost money to have that done. But is that actually an option for some people? Does having a ghostwriter actually save you time? Or, or does it take as long to brief somebody as it would just to write the book yourself? No, no, you will save some time. I mean, it will take time as well. Say you're probably looking about three to four hours, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, depending on how open you are and how quickly the ghostwriter gets out what they need from you. Um, it's a process. It's a bit like, you know, if you hire a designer and, and you want to rebrand, you don't just, you know, send them a couple of emails and off they go and they create a logo and everything. You have to have this consultation. There's going to be some back and forth with them. But yes, ultimately, it will save you time. Absolutely. Like I said, it takes around about three months on a part-time basis. Whereas working with a ghostwriter, if we say top end, six hours, that's it. And then they go off and write the book. And then there'll be a little bit back and forth where you'll go through and say, maybe I want this changed and that changed. But that's about it. So yes, it could be worth it. I guess it's all about you seeing this. This goes back into something that I know you're a big fan of, David. You're talking about um, outsourcing and whether, you know, people wait too long 
to outsource and it's not a case of how much money you would spend on outsourcing it's almost like can you afford not to outsource because while you you're worrying about paying somebody doing all of the grunt work you could have had that time spare to make more money in your business to pay that person and and then some it's the same thing with some of my clients who are looking towards a ghostwriting program that I do they're you know individuals who are making substantial amounts of money and taking even my program, which literally breaks it bite size and they can fit it around their busy life, it's still too much time away from them. They can make more money just being in their business or their brand. And it makes sense. So it's something you need to work out. You need to be honest about what is your hourly rate or what is your weekly rate or daily rate. And then you work it out, work out whether you're, it's better for you to write your own book, or whether it actually costs you more money in your time and energy. And it's better that somebody else does it. And I'm guessing if you're somebody who's already produced a lot of content, um, and I think a lot of people with their marketing, their marketing strategy is based around just producing content and, and blogs and long form articles. I guess you could take some of that and, and create a book around that too. Most people do. I, I had one gentleman come to me and he had, we worked out somewhere around about 80,000 words of blog content. And I had to tell him, you know, he was like, we can turn off that into a book. It's like, no, that's not a book. The average book is around 30 to 40,000 words, 50,000 tops. I've never published anything beyond that because people don't read these books in the same way they read fiction. With fiction, you know, they can be longer. People slow themselves down when they're reading it. They're building a world inside their mind. When they're reading these books, these are self-help, how-to, guide-style books. And basically, the reason why they're reading that book is they have a problem and they think you might just have the solution. So they're reading at speed. They're not going to thank you for putting 300 pages in there when 150 might have done. So I had to break it down to them. It's like, no, I think you've got two or three books. So we now need to go through this and actually apportion it to two to three books. And then let's start with the first book. So just to finish us off then, Mitali, if somebody's been listening to this and they're now completely energized they are just 100 percent bought into this concept of needing to become a published author then where does matali come into this because we've already mentioned that you've got these various coaching programs and things like that and i know that you've got a lot of uh, free resources on your website as well yes yes i will say and i, I want to help as many people as possible so i mean my mission is that i just want to well i am in the process of creating an army of thought leaders because the thing is, if if people like us are on every podcast, if we're on every stage, if we're on radio shows, if we're on, t- on TV shows, that vegan normal world, that ethical world that we dream of has to come sooner. It just has to come sooner because we're just everywhere and, and everyone's hearing the message and you're just pricking their conscience and making them think, hmm, I don't like what I'm doing anymore. I need to change. So my goal is to create an army of ethical thought leaders. And I know that there's going to be some future thought leaders out there who just physically don't have the money to work with someone like me. So I've got there's a ton of free resources on my website that you can just go and download and start working for free. And then there's a whole range of programs and services at different financial levels so you can work out which one works best for you and different support levels as well imagine how much further we would be if every single one of us imagine if every single person like listening to this podcast now in a year's time is an author and they're on every podcast going they're on every you know local radio show they're 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 talking on stages they're in summits 
imagine the impact we're going to have. We're going to get to that vegan normal world. And that's it. <laughs> you know, that's what I want. Mitali, this has been absolutely brilliant. And I imagine that a few people listening to this, they will be thinking that they've got a book in them, but they just need that extra bit of support to pull it out of them. So if somebody does want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it? Go to veganpublisher.com. Everything is there. Or find me on LinkedIn with my ridiculously long surname. I mean, I've checked. There is nobody else with that surname apart from my brothers and sisters. Those are the only other Daper characters you'll find. Um, but yeah, to find me on social media or just go to veganpublisher.com. Fantastic. And I know that people can also get hold of you through the Vegan Business Tribe Community Hub on Slack yes. as well. You you are very active on there, which we, we always appreciate that too. So you have been listening to Mitali Depakatha from The Vegan Publisher. And Mitali, thank you so much for your time. And I am sure we will be catching up again soon. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed that session with Matali. As I said at the start, if you are a vegan business tribe member, you can also see the full video version of that session in our masterclasses section of the Vegan Business Academy over on the website. And you can also see Matali, don't forget, at Vegan Business Tribe Live on the 12th and 13th of November at the London Olympia, which is just one week away. And there she's going to be hosting a panel on how to write a vegan book featuring Ray Starr, who is the author of the Earthlings trilogy, and London Todd Sinclair, who is author of the Rebel Vegan Life guidebooks. Two absolute vegan author rock stars. And that is it. So, Please do wish myself and Lisa good luck for Vegan Business Tribe Live and also all our members who are also taking part or have taken stalls in our area. If you are able to get down to London next weekend, either for the entire two days or just part of it, then I really want to see you there. Lisa and I, we are going to be running around a little bit, but please do come and say hello and let me know that you are a podcast listener. And also... If you are not yet a member of Vegan Business Tribe, then we're going to be giving away some coupon codes for a free month trial. And then you can get access to all our member-only content, our courses, our online events, and our full community as well. And not forgetting that you'll also get a listing in our members directory, completely free for a month. So thank you so much for listening hopefully we'll get to see you in person at london and if not i'll see you on the next one